Hi, sisters. Welcome. Once again, we are in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to be going through verses 24 through 36. In this particular teaching, we hit on spiritual gifts and how so often sometimes we are doing things outside of what God has actually called us to do. And a lot of times it's because we don't even know what our spiritual gifts are. And so how can we sharpen something we don't even know what we have? So in this episode, in the show notes, I have a free spiritual test guide for you to take so that you can start learning what gifts did God give you, and then you can start building upon those gifts, maturing in those gifts, and using them for the body of Christ. I pray you enjoy this episode. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real-life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning His Word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Okay, so go ahead, Trey, read 24 through 27. It's fine. Now they have been sent from the the Pharisees. They asked them, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stand, stands one you do not know. Even he who come, comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So here they come and they're just like, okay, so if you're not the Messiah, then basically who do you think you are? Like, you're baptizing people, but you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet. And John answers them and says, listen, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. He's like, man, you guys are, you guys are so missing this. He's like, I just baptized in water, but water was not, was, was not what was saving them. It was a, we repent, we're making our way straight for anybody who wanted it. Like, here's John. He's coming up on the scene. You guys, the Messiah's coming. The Messiah that's been being prophesied for 4,000 years, he's here, he's here, he's coming, he's coming. You need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to get your lives together. And they're like, really, the Messiah, the one that daddy told me about, and granddaddy and great-granddaddy told me about, oh my gosh, I do want to get my life together. Oh yes, I'm so sorry. And he would baptize them in water. And it was just an outward expression of something that they wanted on the inside, which was cleansed. Okay, the water did not cleanse them. It did not save them. It was symbolism. Because we also know that many of these people that went through this water baptism later rejected Jesus. Because Jesus, when he started preaching the hard stuff, when Jesus went to the cross, (laughs) right, they all left him. 
right? So it's not, it wasn't a saving baptism. It was just an, it was an expression like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, we'll follow you. We'll get baptized. We, we repent. We'll get rid of these sins in our lives because they were so sinful. They were so decrepit. So they were so sinful and so decrepit in their sin that they wanted, that they were like, yes. Yeah. But the Pharisees just were not recognizing this. The Pharisees were just so full of their own sin and their own selves. And you guys, we see that so much today in the religious establishment. The Pharisee spirit is one of the hardest spirits to go up against, I'm telling you. We've been up against it toe-to-toe, and they are the hardest. They're very blinded. They, even if you show them the scriptures, they are blinded. They just, they're, a lot of times, I just think they're under a strong delusion, many of them. Um, and they just, they're very prideful, and they just, they, they are just not humble to obey the scriptures and obey the word. And it's just a very um, demonic spirit, uh, in my opinion. So John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but you do not understand. You do not realize what's getting ready to happen here. It is he who's coming after me, who is preferred before me. Again, he wants to tell you, he's, he's eternal. That I am not even worthy to, before me, whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to loosen. Back then, the slaves of the masters would actually undo the sandals, the sandal straps for their masters. So like when the masters would come home, the slaves would take their sandals off for them. And he's saying, I'm not even worthy to be a servant of who's getting ready to come onto the scene. I'm not even worthy to, to untie his sandal strap. That's how amazing this Messiah is. You guys have no idea who's getting ready to come onto the scene. So these were the things that were done. And Bethbara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is such a beautiful statement. This is like the most beautiful statement. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, the Jews would have understand what he was saying when he said this, because in the Old Testament, they would slaughter or sacrifice a lamb and then sprinkle the blood in order to atone for their sin. But the deal was, it wasn't permanent. They had to do this every year. And they had to do this as often as they were told to do it, because it wasn't a permanent solution for sin. It wasn't a full satisfaction to God forever. It was a type or a shadow, what we call a type or a shadow. It's something that was actually pointing to the Messiah, that he would be the final lamb, the final sacrifice for all the sins of the world. And this was what was promised to us. The Old, the Old Testament saints, a lot of people go, well, how are the Old Testament saints saved if they didn't have the Messiah like we do? And they got saved the same way we did. They anticipated the Messiah. They believed upon his arrival. And we got saved by looking back at the cross. He already came. And so it's always been faith alone in Christ alone, even in the Old Testament, because that's how Abraham was saved. He wasn't saved by works. He was saved by faith. It's always been faith in who Jesus is or who he was about to be, the Messiah always to come, because it's been prophesied since Genesis that he would be coming. Okay? And so that's important to understand that. And so here, so, so that, that Old Testament, so without saying that he is now this Lamb of God, I want you guys to take one more thing away from this, who takes away the sins of the world. World does not always mean every single person ever born in all mankind and the entire human race, okay? But I will tell you that universalists or hyper-grace movements will use this scripture to teach that, that everyone is saved. And that is a very, uh, 29, 
who takes away the sin of the world. They will say that Jesus took away the sin of the entire world. Therefore, there is no hell, and everybody goes to heaven. It doesn't matter how you live here. That's universalism. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. This is why we have to know our scriptures and understand the word. And it's good to know these apologetics because universalism is actually a very fast-growing, popular religion in Christianity right now. Nugget to give you guys there. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And John bore witness saying, I, we're on 32. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit, de- spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And so he's talking about here that when he came, Jesus finally did come onto the scene. You can read those in the other three Gospels when Jesus finally comes onto the scene. And John's like, oh my gosh. And then Jesus is like, baptize me. And John's like, there ain't no way I'm baptizing you. He's like, I'm not even worthy. He's like, I'm not. No, you need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, I need to fulfill all righteousness. I need you to baptize me. Because Jesus is the high priest. And so he fulfilled all the high priest laws. And I could really get into some really cool stuff with that right now. But I won't. So maybe some other day, because um, there's actually some really neat, really neat things to make you guys ponder. Um, but we won't go there. So anyway, so so he so what he's talking about here is that the Spirit, and that's when the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who's equal with God the Father and God the Son, descended upon him and then stayed there when after that happened. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, now as a New Testament believer, Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So now when Paul, remember John said, I baptize with water, but Jesus, the Messiah is going to come and baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so beautiful, you guys. It's, it's, it's literally when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he puts a seal upon us. The seal of redemption. It's now saying that you are now possessed by God. You are now owned by God. And, that, and we just do not understand or comprehend how amazing that is. It's as if, like, he has the title to your life. Nobody can take it from him. The seal comes upon us in Ephesians, and it says, we get this seal. And I always point to my forehead because of Revelation, so I think it's on our forehead, and it's an invisible seal. But there's this invisible seal that's on us that the angels can see and the demons can see. That they know that, oh, that's, oh, that's Amy. Yeah, Jesus possesses her. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's Jesus's. Yeah, we can't, yeah, we got to be careful with that one. That's, that's Jesus's. And it's this Holy Spirit and he comes and makes a home with us. He comes and lives inside of us and resides in us. And when it says that for the day of redemption, that when, because we are now possessed by God, he will come back and claim you. Yes, Bree, I own you. Okay, I'm taking you home now. You're mine, Annalise. I'm taking you home now. We can't be snatched out of the Father's hand. But this is also what gives us the power. This is what gives us what we need to be spirit-filled Christians, the power over sin that the Old Testament didn't have. So the Lamb of Blood, no, that's a great question. Thank you so much for bringing it up, cause, and we could sit there all night, and I would love to, because I love talking about the doctrine of eternal assurance, because it has not been taught properly for so long. Um, the Lamb blood was animal blood, so it was temporary. It was only good for one year. And only for the Jewish nation could only be a part of that, that shed blood of that sacrificial lamb. It wasn't for the Gentile nation. It was only for the Jewish nation or, or the Gentiles that had kind of the strangers that would have been allowed to come in. So versus Jesus's blood, when it's shed, God's own blood was permanent. Once that blood was shed, it's a permanent solution to man's sin dilemma. Sin now 
is as far as from the east as from the west, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ here tonight. And it's universal. It's for all of us now. The blood has now afforded us to go into the Holy of Holies. Remember when we talked about that, girls, when we did, the, the, when we did Ephesians? We did not have an opportunity. They did, the Old Testament could not go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest, once a year, could go into the Holy of Holies. Do you understand the Holy of Holies, where God dwells, that I can now go there every day, all day long, because of what Jesus Christ did for me? Because what Jesus Christ did for you, that we now have this privilege that I'm going to say that we take advantage of. That we don't take seriously enough. Something that was not afforded, especially to the Gentile, but was not afforded to the Old Testament other than the high priest. And it was certainly not afforded to the Gentile to go into the Holy of Holies and commune with God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator. We can now go there anytime we want. We can crawl up on his lap and just cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need you. I love you. I worship you. Thank you. And how much do we take that for granted? How do we go there enough? Do you go there enough? Do you go to the Holy of Holies? Something that was never afforded to us. And that's what the, that's what the shed blood of Jesus Christ did. That's what it did. It afforded you to now go somewhere that we could have never gone before and commune with the holy God of Israel now. Almighty God. Don't take it for granted, you guys. Don't take that gift for granted to go and commune with your father anytime you want because there was a time when you could have never done that. I could have never done that. So he goes on to say, this is, who, this is he whom I said after me comes... As a man who is preferred before me, I did not know him that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with water. And we already went over that. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent him to baptize water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is who he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is who will be. So in other words, God had told John the Baptist that when you see this happening, when you see this man that you baptize and this Holy Spirit falls upon him and rests there, that is the Son. That is my Son. That is the Messiah. And so John saw that and he said, this is it. I knew it. I mean, I've always known it. I was told this by my parents. You know, we, I knew that my commission, I knew that this was Messiah, but now it's been confirmed by God Almighty. No, you're not coming up here. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. I'm testifying to you guys. This is him. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. John had some disciples that were following him around before Jesus came on the scene. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He says it again. He says it again. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I love this about John. John was not here to make disciples upon himself. John was not here to build up some kingdom for himself, some religion for himself, some church so people could worship him. It was all about Jesus. And the disciples left him and he wanted them to go. Go, go after your Messiah. Leave me. Why, why didn't John go with Jesus? John was still... Oh, you know, we, sure, they, we didn't yeah. have Facebook back then, yeah. so he still needed to cover ground. 
Yeah. So he still needed to tell people. Yeah, it had Facebook. So he still needed people to cover. He still had ground to cover. Um, he was the forerunner. He was still out there telling people about the Messiah that was here. But he was sending everybody to them at this point. Now that Jesus had come up onto the scene, everybody was being sent to Jesus, though. Right? And that's how we need to be. We're not here to build disciples upon ourselves. We're not here to uh, come and hang out with me and always stay with me. You know what we're here to do is make disciples for Jesus Christ and send you on your way. So that you can then go and make disciples. So you guys are matured in your giftings, matured in your callings. And then go, go, please leave us. Not because we don't love you, but because I, you can cover more ground that way. If we're all stuck right here... We can't cover as much ground. And sadly, that's what the church has become. A bunch of people that sit in the same pews. And, oh my gosh, do not take that one lady's pew that sits there every Sunday for because she, for the last 20 years and you accidentally sit there because she will get mad. Have any of you ever dealt, that, dealt with that lady or that man? No. I, I have in almost every church I've been in, not going to lie. But, you know, seriously. I mean, I remember being a new person walking in this one church one time, and I was accidentally, I sat in this one pew, and she walked in the door, and she didn't care that I was new. She just, and mind you, there were like 20 people there, 20 people in that whole ministry. And she looked at me and gave me the stinkiest face, and I was like, I'm sitting in your seat, aren't I? I mean, yeah. Honey, let me move. <laughs> Honey, let me move. I'll get up and move. I had no idea, you know? But that's what I'm saying. We get so caught up in our religion. We get so caught up in, I need all these people. We need to have a big ministry. We need to have tithers. That right. We're not sending them out. We're not equipping them, hoping that they leave us. I want you to leave us someday. And then we all get together and have like family reunions. That'd be awesome. But you guys are out there like really pounding the pavement and making disciples and baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and evangelizing and having home Bible studies and, and just your my fire catches you on fire and then your fire catches them on fire and the fire just keeps on going. That was the early church. That was the early church. And you know what? They were starting to kind of do that. I'm getting, getting off track here. They were starting to kind of do that in the early church. They were kind of like banding together in, in Jerusalem. So guess what God did? He set persecution. Guess what happened? They all dispersed. Guess what happened? Us here today in my living room. Dead serious. Because we will get complacent, and that's what churches are doing. We get complacent in our one building with our one family that we have our one little cliques, and we're all just kind of comfortable, and we're afraid to kind of, you know, move out of that, and oh my gosh, and right, the, we're to be a fire setting up the fire. I mean, it's great to have your family. It's great to have that place. I'm not saying that. Don't be a church hopper. You need to, you will flourish in the house of the Lord. Stay there and get discipled up and then be released. You know, don't just go running out when it's not your time yet. Don't be a pew warmer. Don't be a pew warmer, but don't be, like, rebellious either. Make sure you guys are listening because your el people that speak in your life, your elders, your people who are discipling, should be able to tell you when it's time for you to go and do other things, right? So, and John the Baptist did not come on the scene before his time. He stayed in the wilderness eating his locusts and his honey and getting girded up for his ministry, which was the only ministry he had, which was being the forerunner and being the voice for Jesus Christ. Right. And that was something else that I did want to say to you guys is know your ministry, know your gifts and your callings and get girded up in those. What your gifts and your callings are, get matured in those. I see so many people out of their giftings, especially in churches. I see people who do, could not teach an ant how to climb an anthill, but yet they're teaching in children's ministry. Seriously, they're not gifted to teach at all. 
but that's where they are because we have a need, right? So we'll just throw anybody in that need. And, and, that, and I'm telling you, that's how people get burnt out. Step, know your, and I did it last year. Hold on. I did it last year where I was just kind of doing everything. I mean, I knew who I was. I knew the gifts and calling. I know, I know what, what God has told me to do. But, I, you know, I was kind of doing it all, like, and kind of going everywhere. And finally, by the end of the year, I'm like, I'm going to either quit or I got to get some new perspective. And God said, this is what I called you to. Bump, bump, bump. These are your gifts. Stay there. Stay there. And, and focus on that. We're a body of believers with different gifts and callings. I need you guys to walk in your gifts and you need me to walk in mine so we can be a healthy, functioning body. Do we still all need to evangelize though, right? Yeah, everybody evangelizes. Okay. But then there's evangelists. Gotcha. <laughs> there's a difference. So every, we're all called to evangelize. We are all told to go, right? We, should, we are evangelists every day of our lives, all of us. But then there's some that are just like, straight evangelists where they're just, I mean, that's their whole calling, right? And that's where they should be focusing on. And that's, and that's, you know, stuff. And so just be within your gifts and calling, know who you are in Christ and get girded up and matured in that. Do everything you need to do to get matured in your gifts and your callings so that we're walking properly in the body. So we're not trying to walk on our, our hands and here with our toes, Okay, because we have way too much of that dysfunction going on right now in the Christian, in Christian, Christian, um, Christianum. So the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Okay, sisters, I'm going to stop here at verse 36. You know, I pray that this episode blessed you as we talked about spiritual gifts. We talked about how amazing it is that we have this ability to go and commune with the Father day and night. And and do we really take that seriously? And so once again, in the show notes is a free spiritual test for you to take. And what I'd love for you to do is bring it back to the Facebook group or email me and tell me what you discovered. If you have any questions, I'd love to answer them for you. So Father, I just come before you and I thank you once again for your beautiful word that is refining us, that is transforming us, that is getting us to think higher, to be called higher, to be more biblical in our in our everyday life. And Lord, I pray over my sisters that you help them to see the beautiful gifts in which you have given them and that you would have them to mature in those gifts and to exercise those gifts as they are given for the body of Christ. Lord, we only want to do your will while we are here on this journey and this pilgrimage. Father, I pray that you help us to carve out time in our day to have genuine prayer with you and to commune with you. For this is such a beautiful gift that's been afforded us that was not afforded to the Old Testament the way it is to us, God, how we can just go into the throne room boldly proclaiming our petitions to you because of what your son Jesus has done for us. Father, I pray that we also continue to pray without ceasing that you are a part of our prayers and our communication all day long. Lord, grow us in our prayer life. Grow us in the gifts in which you've given us, Father. Help us to continue to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one of my sisters, and I pray that you bless them today, bless their homes, their families, bless their um, lost loved ones, Father, bless their health and their finances, God. I just pray that you touch them today in a very personal way. 
We thank you once again that your word is transforming our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.